The Providence College Friars. Top for the crossover. The Big East. The rest of the college hoops world. Setting the screen. Dunn twisting his way in. This is the Providence Crier Podcast. With your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself, Mike Surratt. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Providence Crier Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Surratt, the Providence Crier. Follow me on Twitter, that's at Providence Crier. Read our blog, theprovincecrier.com. Join with me as always. We have BOC. Follow him on Twitter at BOC all day. Today is Friday, December 17th. Um, the Friars, if you will, had a bye week, sort of, uh, with their last game being last Saturday at the Amp against Albany, uh, wrapping up non-conference play. PC gets a nice win, um, starting to really come together if you ask me, but um, we'll get a lot of answers here soon with Biggie's play getting underway. And um, first I just want to start off by saying, you know, although it was a bye week, we still got some content out. We wanted to get a pot out earlier, but there were extenuating circumstances. BOC is a girl dad. So congrats to BOC. Um, congrats, man. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a whirlwind of a week, but uh, yeah, everybody's doing well and we're, we're excited. So uh, couldn't happen at a better time. I'm going to be hunkered down, taking care of a little girl uh, with Big East play right around the corner. So I'm pumped. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've like thought about adopting so I can get paternity leave. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that, that's that's the, obviously, obviously that's the wrong reason to adopt, but yeah. But that would be nice to, to just hunker down and, and watch uh, Big East Hoops all day while caring for a child, of course. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so the Friars open up Big East play. We figured we'd get a quick pot out. Um, they got Seton Hall Saturday, 1230. Game will be on Fox. Um, before we get into that, though, we had two articles that came out this week talking about the Friars um, – you know, just their overall non-conference play, what we learned. Um, and then we also, we, we had another article kind of circling around the Big East. So kind of let's start off by hitting those and then we'll get into the Seton Hall game, BOC. Um, yep. You wrote the one about PC. You know, what were your overarching takes on the team so far through non-conference play? Yeah, I think a couple of the themes from non-conference play is we have two guys from the transfer portal that we can absolutely rely on um, regardless of competition. And that's Bryce Hopkins and Devin Carter. I think Bryce Hopkins will be a first team, all Big East player, potential Big East player of the year player before his career is done in Friartown. And I think Devin Carter, while he may not have the offensive prowess of Hopkins, he's going to, he's probably our best all around player, I would argue. Um, And he's going to get a ton of Big East accolades uh, in the years to come, if not this year as well. Um, The over, 
overarching theme is Cooley's kind of like the Wayne Kiffin, the, the portal king, where even if you take out Hopkins and Carter, he hit on the other transfers and Moore, Locke, and Floyd Jr. They're all serving a role on this team and more importantly in subsequent teams, especially Floyd Jr. So Cooley restocked the cupboard in a big way. That was the other takeaway. Um, another big thing that I was shocked about was the pace of play, I think you pointed it out really well. We're playing at a really nice pace right now. We're third in the Big East in points per game. I don't think you and I would ever say that's something that you associate with Providence, a high-scoring team um, at 80 points. Um, but also, like you and I were really, really concerned about rebounding. That's still to be determined, but we are actually doing really well in terms of the number of rebounds a game in comparison to the rest of the Big East. We are I'm pulling it up right now. We're third in the Big East in rebounds a game, too. So I was expecting us to be in the bottom half, if not the bottom of the Big East in rebounds, and that's just not the case. And I think the athleticism of Carter, the, the big body of Hopkins, is making up for the maybe the lack of front court depth. So those are a couple things that jumped out. There's still a lot of questions, and I think most logical Friar fans are waiting to see if these numbers or the statistics play out when we have a Big East conference game in game out because we've played a lot of cupcakes yeah no doubt i mean province has i think their strength of schedule is like 303 this year so i mean listen we went into this thing saying a lot of cupcakes but three good opportunities to get resume building wins um they certainly haven't done that they or they weren't able to do that during non-conference play, right? The three chances that they had against um, quality opponents that that are definitely resume building. I think, quite frankly, I think St. Louis, um, uh, TCU, and Miami will all be dancing. Um, but unfortunately, they squandered all those opportunities away, including a 13-point halftime lead to St. Louis. Um, and I think, I think that really quick, that St. Louis game is, go- is the one – that's circled on as like a, Hey, that's a missed opportunity there. I think the collective fan base would be a lot more bullish on Providence right now. If we were nine and two with that win versus eight and three with that loss, because that's that's a tournament team. And I think we'd be a lot more optimistic about our post or uh, biggies play. If we had that win. Yeah. um, For sure. And, you know, I do think, I mean, here's the deal, right? We, We talked about this when the schedule came out, you were like, this is a good schedule because it gives them time to gel as a team. I was on that boat. And then as Susie got closer and closer, I was like, ah, maybe, maybe they will, they'll just be rocking and rolling like, like last year. Obviously that wasn't the case. Um, do you take credence though in the last two games in terms of them being able to thoroughly dominate an inferior opponent, something that they showed they weren't able to do even in the wins? I um I'm optimistic about the last two games because it seems like there are more defined roles um with Breed being the first off the bench and he's playing with more confidence and again like in the the second article I wrote about like the question marks there are a lot of players who are playing really important roles right now I want to see them play that same style and like to your point you called out with Breed like you like him when he's aggressive I mean everybody does but like can he do that against a Kadari Richmond against Seton Hall, who is 6'5 and as long as known as a great defender, can he still be that assertive? Um, because in a lot of the – in the TCU, the Miami, St. Louis game, even, like, a lot of our players didn't show up. And 
the two players that actually did show up, their averages were better, or three players that showed up, their averages were better on points per game were um, Hopkins, Carter, and Bynum, ironically. Um, so we know what we're going to get from Carter and Hopkins. I think we're, they're just going to be, you roll them out, and you know what you're going to get. I don't know what we're going to get with the rest of the team, honestly, which is a little bit concerning, which is why I'm like cautiously optimistic about the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think Hopkins is becoming the focal point of the offense. And I think the sooner, I mean, maybe Bynum does realize this, but I think that will eventually that will help Bynum, right? Like, like he's a guy that, you know, if, if the game plan shifts to, okay, we need to slow down Hopkins, however we can, that should open up more space for Bynum to get cooking. Um, So, you know, I, I definitely, I'm getting more bullish because we we do have a lot of options. Boc like Hopkins is a matchup nightmare. Locke is, or excuse me, uh, Carter's a guy that that downhill driver can attack the rim, can create defense in turn defense in the offense. Like you got that. Bynum, we're all we all know what he's capable of, even though the scoring hasn't been there so far this year. But the one good thing he's doing is playing really good pure point. So. I'm happy there. Locke, you know, the numbers haven't been great, but they're getting better, right? Like, wasn't it the Albany game where he had, like, 12 points, but it was on, like, four shots, whereas earlier in the year it was 12 points on 10 shots. Um, so I, I think those things are encouraging. You're right, though. Let's go to the rebounding here because you bring up that, that you're surprised that we're good in rebounding. Yeah, I am too, but but here's the thing here's the thing. Um against Miami, Norchard Omir owned yeah. us yeah. on the glass. Against TCU, Eddie Lampkin destroyed us on the glass. Yeah. So for me that that still remains my biggest concern, even if we are third in the Big East going in here. Yeah, I would uh, to your thing about the many options on offense, what made us so great last year? It was the fact that you didn't know who's gonna lead the team in scoring game in, game out. Um that's kind of similar you think Hopkins is probably gonna be the number one most games but we have three players right now that are averaging double digits in points I think above 11 points and we have six players averaging above eight points so it's it's a spread out offense there's not one person who's averaging 20 and the next person is averaging like nine Hopkins is leading the way around like 15 points if I recall but there's two others behind him that are averaging around 11 or so so it's diversified scoring which is you and I talked about that so many freaking times last year, how much of a weapon that was because these big, these biggies coaches know each other like the back of their hands. They know how to coach against Cooley and they know what to take away. So the fact that we have others who can score like a Carter who can create on his own, which I didn't think that was capable heading into the season um, is an awesome asset. We just have a lot of weapons right now. And that's also saying that with Bynum starting very slowly offensively, if he gets cooking, we become very, very dangerous. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, it, you know, we'll get into it with Seton Hall, but but I guess let's just pivot here to around the Big East. I, I had that article out. Um, you know, looking around the league, I, we don't have to hit every single team here, but let's just kind of talk bigger picture and in, in the, in the bigger storylines, if you will. One, we'll start with UConn. I mean, they're ranked third in the country right now. Um, they've been impressive, no doubt about it. I was actually pretty proud of myself. I got a UConn fan to comment on my tweet about the article saying that I was fair in regards to UConn, which, which is good, good to see. 
However, I did not add this little tidbit, which I'll get to in a moment. Um, but clearly, UConn looks like the, the, at the top of the class at this point. They're, no they're, quite, they're close to the Big East right now. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. Yeah, undefeated, uh, all wins by double digits. Very impressive. Um, their shooting is something that I question whether or not that will translate going into the Big East. And that's not to say that they they didn't play anyone. They won the PK-85 or whatever it was. Um, but here's the thing I will say. I do think their resume is a bit inflated by some of the – hold on – by some of these power – Power major, power five, power six, whatever you want to call it. Those teams that they've beaten, I don't think some of them are that good. Like Oklahoma State, I don't think is very good. Florida team is not very good. And then the Iowa State team, they beat, yes, they're ranked. Or no, they're not ranked anymore, I don't think. But they were ranked like the week prior. I don't think the Iowa State team is very good. Like that's a classic. Big 12 team that starts off hot and you're like, oh, they're good. They beat UNC, but I think that's a little more of UNC having their own issues right now. Yeah. Um, I could totally see that Iowa State team be that Big 12 team that that does really well non-conference, gets a ranking, and then just stinks because the Big 12 is such a gauntlet that they, they miss the tournament. So I think their big wins – and then the Oregon team that they played. That's not a good Oregon team. That's not your typical Oregon team. So, yes, on paper, it's like Oklahoma State, Florida, Oregon, Iowa State. Good wins. But I don't think those teams are very good this year. That's yeah. all. I, um, the point I was talking about at the beginning of the year, I think, still rings true. I, I'm thoroughly impressed with how UConn's playing. I think Hurley's got them locked in. Um I thought they were going to struggle a bit more like when they need to get a bucket and they've won by double digits. So they haven't really faced this yet, but when they need to get a bucket, I thought they were going to struggle with who's going to be that person with like RJ Cole. Um, what's his name? Uh, say it again. Tyrus Martin. Yeah, exactly. Martin. You're our guy. Um, who's, who's going to be the guy that gets a bucket for them? Cause they were like the leaders of that team and you can turn to them on, on the road, you know, maybe against Butler. Um, if they need a bucket, who are they going to turn to? I guess you just feed it into Sonogo and hope for the best. Um, but like, I, I would, I would love to give Andre Jackson a shot to potentially win a game. I would love that if I was a Providence fan. Um, yeah, yeah, no, seriously, because that thing's broken. Uh, no, I, yeah, and listen, like I, I'm not trying to like take away from what they've done because clearly it's impressive. Um, their depth is being re- shown as really, really well. To me, I thought they were going to have to lean too much on Aline and Newton replacing Martin and Cole. But with the emergence of Hawkins, that's finally happened. I've heard about that since the moment this guy committed that he was going to be some stud. And I just didn't see it. And he's playing really well. To to be able to go from Sonogo to Klingon, and here's another guy that I'm pretty impressed with, the freshman. I thought he'd be too slow. Like, kid played in the public school league. Like, I, I know he plays AU and is good there, and he, he's got the recruiting accolades. But to me, I just saw a huge guy that might yep. be a little too slow for the college game. That's shown out to not be the case. He's been awesome. I think Calcaterra – I don't think Newton and Aline have been – Aline certainly hasn't been very good. But I think Newton's stats are a little inflated, if you ask me. But um, 
but Joe Calcaterra has been a huge ad for them. And then Alex Caravan, another guy, a guy that committed uh, to UConn, came second semester last year and redshirted. Um, Those two guys, just having those guys be contributors, their depth is insane, and they're clearly the favorites. So no qualms from me there. No, and, dude, they they, uh, Hurley did say they were coming, and they have a monster recruiting class coming in next year. So um, we'll we'll see. Hopefully Jim Mora doesn't do too well. Because uh, the ACC might come calling, and that'd be truly ironic. But yeah, let's yeah, see. I shared you that tweet, right? Yeah. Um, what a joke, dude! Like, I'm sorry. But, oh, here comes a here comes a little rant here. But the fact I get it, UConn wants to put themselves in the best position possible, whatever. But for their AD, Dave Benedict Benedict Arnold, some might say, uh, <laughs> Dave Benedict Arnold. <laughs> For Dave Benedict to come out and be like, oh, like imagine us getting $40 million uh, a year in, in TV revenue. It's like, dude, you had one season where your football team wasn't the laughingstock of college athletics, and now you just think like you deserve to be in this power football conference? Please, they get should, out of here with that. Yeah, I mean, they should look at all the old Big East basketball teams that went to chase football money and where they're at now as a basketball program. So, good point. And, and good point. Where, where they were, even where they were, um, the American Athletic as a basketball program. So, just be careful what you wish for. Um, but at nobody. least those teams had some substance in football. UConn, yes, I, I believe they made an Orange Bowl, but like, I don't know. I just thought that was just so arrogant, such an arrogant thing to say. They're in the what, like the fucking butt cheek bowl? Like, I don't know. Like, it, it's just nonsense. It, no, I think they're in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Um, but, it, like, they're in a meaningless bowl. I think bowls are stupid, but that's a topic for another day. So but, um, but, yeah, I just think that that was ridiculous. Anyways, moving on. Um, Villanova, another big storyline. You know, we all talked about where this team was going to – what they were going to do without Jay Wright and then having to deal with Justin Moore – being out for the majority of the season here, they are five and five now, right? Yeah. They were they, two and five. They've won three straight. Yeah. Since Whitmore's come back, they've really come on, um, which is what you would expect given their culture and the yeah. fact that Whit- Whitmore is a locked in lottery pick. I'm a little surprised, though, at the same time, just because I'm, of their I'm track record. I'm su- with I'm their track record with all Americans, I'm surprised. I really am. It's not Jay Wright's Villanova anymore. I I guess not. I guess clearly not. But speaking of that, I do think that team certainly gives them a boost. But for me, it's like Justin Moore has to be good in order for them to actually have a legitimate chance here to make like a tournament run or like even make the tournament at this point. I mean, the season ended today, they're not in the tournament. Um, So to me, and, and I think that's asking a lot. I really do. And I just don't think this Nova team is um, – they don't have that mistake-free, you know, it, when the moments are the biggest, they just don't mess up ever. Yeah. Um, they definitely don't have that anymore. So I think that's that's big. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, uh, other teams worth um, speaking about, St. John's 10-1, already 1-0 in the Big East. Sorry, DePaul. DePaul is already in the basement. Even though they beat Minnesota, and that was exciting. I thought it was going to be ranked the Paul season. Um, but yeah, the Johnnies are out to 10 1 start, 1 0 in Big East. Their schedule was worse than ours. 
So I, I think more to come on them, but certainly their big three looks like an exciting team to watch. Like if there was college hoops league pass, you know, NBA does a league pass. Yeah. I think Bill Simmons came up with this idea, like the league pass games that you get league pass to watch these fun teams that, you know, you don't know if they're going to actually be good or actually be bad, but uh, I feel like St. John's would be the perfect league pass team for, for NCAA hoops because they're going to be fun, but is it going to work? We'll see. I mean, dude, they're playing good ball right now. And like, everybody's talking about like Curbelo, David Jones, the transfers. Talk about Soriano again, who knows? We'll see him big East play. He's stepped his game up. He's one of the best big men in the big East right now. Like kudos to him. Like he reshaped his body a bit. Like he's looking good. So they were my dark horse in the big East and they're looking all right right now. All right. Play someone. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we're supporting Providence, so we can't really talk. I know, I know. Um, yeah. So um, I guess a few other quick hitters then. Um, Marquette looks to be pretty good. Um, they've been in every single game they've played. They had a really impressive win against Baylor. Um, I think Shaka Smart is continuing to do a good job with that team. Your boy Kolek running the show. They look oh, pretty yeah. good. Oh, yeah. Um, Xavier, who was my pick to win it, if you remember. Um, they're eight and three. I mean, solid start to the season for them. Um, they beat Cincinnati, their, their rival. Um, I don't think Cincinnati's that great, but, um, you know, they lost to Duke, but did they beat Florida? Yeah, they beat Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're only, their losses are Duke, Gonzaga, and no, they beat West Virginia. In IU. I mean, those are three fine losses to have, and they've been in every single game. I think Xavier's going to be a threat. Uh, news broke that Chubb Miller won't get in trouble because the NCAA has no rules, um, which is fine by me at this point. As long as we're all playing under the same rules, that there are no rules, I'm okay. No, uh, that won't happen, though. Yeah, well, we might get get to that once we wrap up the show. But um, So, yeah, so they're another intriguing team, I think, for sure. But let's uh, tra- the perfect transition. Let's talk about Seton Hall. Yep. Um, Seton Hall, very disappointing performance in last year's NCAA tournament. If you remember, they got absolutely boat raced by TCU. Um, out is Kevin Willard, the, the the secret that was the worst kept secret of all time. Um, <laughs> Kevin Willard goes to Maryland, and he's got Maryland playing good ball, even though they got absolutely smashed by UCLA. Yeah. Yeah. That was. That was like one of the weirdest games. I was just watching it, it was just like turnover city, and they just they let UCLA lead by thirty at halftime. Like they're up thirty in the first half. It was incredible. Was that was that played in like a small gym or anything, or was it like a legitimate gym? No, it was at their it was at the Xfinity Center, man. Oh, okay, so Willard can blame that on a small local gym. All right, yeah, <laughs> make sure. There you go. Um, but for Seton Hall fans, it was kind of like a thank you, we love you, but goodbye, bringing Shaheen Hallway, and here he is. Uh, the St. Peter's coach, you know, I certainly think Seton Hall lucked out that, you know, it's his alma mater. He really wanted to coach there because, quite frankly, after that tournament run with St. Peter's, Shaheen Hallway could have taken any job that was open. Um, so good for Seton Hall for landing him. Um, but here they are. They're 7-4. and four. Um, 
they've played a more impressive schedule than us, I would say. They've played a tough schedule, yeah. They've actually beaten a team of substance in Memphis. However, other than that game, similar to Providence, the three other games where they played like a really good opponent, they got their doors blown off. Yep. Uh, they they also beat Rutgers recently uh, at Rutgers. Good win. But again, it was a rock fight. For me, this first year Shaheen Holloway team, they're battling with a lot of injuries. But this is a team that's going to defend but really can't score. Dude, I, I I said I think I, I forget where I put Seton Hall in the in the uh, preseason. Our preseason. I think we both preseason. had them pretty low, like seven. Or I eight. think I had them like I think I might have had them even lower, like eight or nine. I forget what I had them at, but they're seven and four, and they're last in the Big East in points per game at sixty eight. Um, they're second to last in assists per game, so like they're not doing a a lot really well offensively, and it could be a testament to their injuries and people missing time, but. You can't ask for an easier road game on the Big East to start your Big East play than this one. Maybe like Georgetown and DePaul potentially. Um, all things considered, like this is when you want to kind of catch Seton Hall when they're still trying to find their footing as a program and as a team under Holloway. Um, I think the line came just came out. It's Hall minus three. Normally you get like three points at home, so they're basically saying it's a pick 'em. Um, I, I love Providence's chances here, especially with Providence scoring 80 a game versus 68 a game. Providence is going to hang their hat on defense just as Seton Hall will. Cooley, again, it's, it's against St. Peter's. Cooley ha- knows how to play against Holloway. Um, I feel, and it's 1230 start, so I don't think it's going to be too raucous of an environment. Who knows? Um, I feel really good about Providence in this one. Yeah, um, I do too, because, listen, their leading scorer is Almir Dawes. And it's a guy that that if if you've read our our blog, you know we've covered him uh, in the recruiting scene as a potential guy that, that Cooley would want. He's essentially no lock. I mean, they're very similar players in my opinion. You're laughing, but uh, I mean, honestly, they're just three point shooters. They got a little float game to them, but that's them. And he's your leading scorer, whereas Locke, for us, like. He's like our fourth or fifth option. Fourth, yeah. So, um, so I look at that and I'm just like, oh man. Um, Kadari Richmond's been a mess. Um, I believe he was starting beginning of the season. Now he's coming off the bench. He still turns Dude, like I, dangerous I, player. I I love that. I love that Shaheen's doing that. That like yeah. just shows he's putting his his thumbprints on all over the program. Like it doesn't matter who was there previously. Like if you're not living up to his standards. I think I think Kadari Richmond, like I've always thought this is like a walking like type of like triple double potential type guard, but he just can't put it together for whatever reason. Scene Hall fans may know more than me, or do know more than me, but I love that that might lay a fire under Richmond because he has all the potential in the world. Um, so I I love that move. I mean, it's funny you say that because I was watching the Drexel game, and he came out and looked pretty good. But then, like, he started out, like, hot, and then he kind of just reverted to his old ways, and I think he – let's see what he did in that one. Um, eight points, nine boards, which is helpful. Um, but he turned yeah. over twice, which is around his season average. I think he's, like, two and a half. 
He leads um, the team. He leads the team in assists at three point two assists a game. That just shows yeah, that they play like right. zero ball. Yeah, right. Um, and you know, Casey and Defo, the guy I transferred from St. Peter's, tough as nails, good big man. But going into this one, I I, I feel like I'm not going to say this too too often. I feel like we have an advantage with with the bigs. This might be this might be the only time we say it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, again, the devil tough as nails kid will defend, will rebound, but he's undersized. Um, and then Samuel's just like he's a big guy that doesn't use any of his big guy skills, dude. He was another one that was him and Richmond were both like really highly tatted recruits. You know, I'm like a recruiting nerd, and I think I'm fairly certain Samuel was like a really highly rated recruit, like a top 100 four star recruit. Um, and something he hasn't really it hasn't just hasn't really clicked for him. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And then you know, uh, another was, thing is was, with the once, Yeah, he was a three star, hundred and eighty four overall on two forty seven. So not not as what about Trey? What about uh, Trey Jackson? Trey Jackson. He's a senior, so you might have to search out like eighteen. Hold on, give me a sec. Please hold. I thought he was good because he was a Michigan kid that was rumored to maybe go to Michigan, and then he went to, to Seton Hall and Willard. And yeah, he's, he was a stud. Uh, yeah. four, four star, four star, eighty five overall, which is like you expect those guys to be starting their sophomore year and being a all conference player by the time they're like a junior. Right, and you know, in that Drexel game, he has twelve points, but on three of ten shooting off the bench, eighteen minutes as a senior now. Um, so. Yeah, their options are limited, and then the injury bug doesn't help. Alexis Yetna, uh, a guy that we're familiar with, he was on the team last year, transferred from South Florida, I believe. Um, he, if you remember, he was basically going to go pro, and he changed his mind at the last hour and came back to Seton Hall, but he's been hurt all, all offseason. So yeah. he hasn't played at all. And then in that Drexel game, they have two guys go down with injury. Um, that would be Pitt transfer Femi Odequale, who um, is a starter. He went down. I, I thought he blew out his knee. I believe it's just an ankle, which which is good. But he's in a walking boot from what I've read on the Bird app. So uh, he's hurt. He won't. He definitely won't play in this one. I don't think it looked bad. It was weird. He got like bumped ever so slightly and he just crumpled down. So I was like, oh man. And he was grabbing his knee. So I was like, oh, knee. Like, this isn't good. But thankfully uh, for him and seeing all fans, just an ankle. But you know how those can be tricky. Uh, one guy that comes to mind, remember Jalen Lindsay, like that nagging ankle injury that we had to deal with that one season? Dude, he also put on like, I, I want to get the real Jalen Lindsay story that I want to <laughs> like sit, I want to sit down with beers over Cooley like 20. 20 years from now and just be like all right give me the scoop because he came in senior year like with like an additional 20 pounds and just like didn't click and i i, I want to get the real scoop of what happened there yeah that, that would be interesting um uh, jaquan sanders though freshman uh that they got he also got hurt in that game so i'm not sure what his status is but they're gonna be down some dudes and again, it just comes down to the fact that well, here's here's what I'm interested. The offense hasn't been as good against good teams, right? But you could also argue at that time they weren't good against the cupcakes either. 
right? The offense is finally starting to click. Like, if they score 70, 72 points, the Friars, that is, I just don't see how this record or St. Hall team can win a game. Play well, Providence if we score at least 70 points. Yeah, I mean, if we score 70 points, but like, under Cooley, like I'm hoping it changes, but like this year, and it looks like it is like our half court offense is like more free flowing and like motion offense. Um, we've we've been known to throw up some clunkers offensively, so I'm not I'm not putting it past us to lose a game like 55-54. Yeah, no, I know, but um, but yes, I if we get to seventy, I think we win fairly comfortably. Yeah, because like Cena Hall's and listen, they're good on defense, so so it'll be an interesting test. And, I mean, it's never easy to win on the road, but I'm pretty bullish about this game. I, I really am uh, for PC. Um, we'll get so a what, preview. So what are, you, um, what, are you, what are you thinking about the game? We'll give our predictions at the end here, but what do you think we're going to see from the Friars? Players? Um, you know, I see – and this is going to be it for a lot of teams, the problem spaces. The opposition is going to have a problem. With with Bryce Hopkins, um, I, I don't see them having a wing like like you know who would have been perfect to at least try and slow. I mean, he, he gives up a, like size in terms of like um, you know like how big Hopkins is. He gives up a little size, but do you remember um, oh, who was the wing when they had Delgado? Oh, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, Desi, Desi Rodriguez. Desi Rodriguez, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, he would have been a perfect guy. Dude, that team, that team, that, that team had some dogs on there too. Yeah, oh my for God. sure. Yeah, I know they, they were loaded. Um, like that would have been the perfect guy to throw in him. I don't know if they have that. Like, I wonder if maybe Trey Jackson gets more time in this one, and they try and like, just like throw him on the wing. Um, I, I don't know, but like. I mean, I feel like he might just be a little – he might be a guy that's not going to be able to guard him on the perimeter, you know? Like, I just don't know who they're going to try and throw slow down Hopkins. So, I, I'm looking for a big game from him. Um, Dude, I, I think people – I think it's going to be – yes, I agree on Hopkins. I could see him putting up, like, 15 and 9, 15 and 10, and people being like, oh, crap, like, this guy's legit. Um I also think it's going to be an introduction to Mr. Carter for all of the scene hall offensive players. I think he's going to have like three steals, a couple breakaway buckets. Um, I would love to see, I would love to see Croswell put up even something like a, a, a 10 and seven, 10 and eight. Um, and be nice to see Bynum. Like, dude, even if Bynum puts up like eight points and like six assists, I'm completely cool with that. Yeah. Um, me too, but I would – I mean, it would be nice, though, to kind of get that affirmation. Be, yeah, I mean, it would be great to see him put up, like, 30 and just be like, yeah. screw, screw you guys, um, just waiting for Big East play. I mean, yeah, like, someone had that tweet. Someone had that tweet that was, like, him in conference last year versus the Cupcakes, and it was, like, really alarmingly different. I think it was, like, 10 points per game in a non-conference and then, like, 15.5 against Big East play last year. I don't know what it is. Maybe the competition just gets them, gets them uh, energized and gets them going. But Cooley told him to take his foot off the gas pedal until conference play. This is all part of the master plan. 
Yeah, it's like with Bill Belichick, right? It's like, oh, dude. Like, as a Pats fan, that would always be a thing. Oh, like, you would just say something absurd. Like, if the Pats weren't doing so well, it's, oh, Bill's trying to trick everyone. That's, <laughs> that's the point. Uh, but, um, but, yeah, Bynum had 14 points against the Hall last year. Um, six of 11 from the floor in a 70-65 win. If you remember, folks, we're, we're going to have to deal with this a lot this season. Just get ready. Just brace yourselves. Seton Hall, one of the teams that we canceled the game last year. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, like, you know, if, they, if, if the Friars just played that Seton Hall team last year, oh, they wouldn't have won the Big East. Um, so, you know, get ready for people wanting their retribution. I don't see it happening in this one. I really don't. I, I think we roll. I think we win. What, what, what's your score? Give me 80 to 62. Wow. Okay. Um, that's, <laughs> that is wild. All right. I mean, the last dude, the last game you predicted in, uh, in Newark, you were pretty spot on. That's true. Do you remember that? I no, sure we don't. Do. no, actually, no, we don't. I don't. No, we don't. I remember the pick. I don't remember the pot after. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so you have 80-62. I'll I'll will go I don't think they're gonna score their average. I'll go 73-69, Providence. Oh, so you you like their chances, but you only have them winning by four. Yeah, I think like again, they they I like their chances. That's a seven point swing versus spread, first off. And then they have eighty points, but again, it's against like the deaf and blind and they're not non conference. So it's like yeah, an eighteen-point home home loss to start your biggest play is kind of rough. Maybe I shouldn't have picked that. <laughs> hey, dude, you got to stick with it. I remember I thought you were nuts with that Virginia pick, and you were spot on. So maybe you and Newark have a thing. Yeah, in the Prudential Center. I just I just get the vibes of what's yeah. going on there. Um. All right. Anything else to close out? Nah, man. Can't wait. I love I love that we don't have to wait all day tomorrow too. I love that it's a twelve thirty. Yes, that will be nice. Um, and then there's nothing I mean, worse than there's nothing worse than looking forward to a game unless you're going there and like you're drinking beforehand. There's right. nothing worse than like waiting all day for a game, like a seven yeah. p.m. tip, and you're just waiting all day for it. Or like the eleven thirty p.m. tip against Dayton. and yeah. that was supposed to be ten thirty. I, I yeah, and I remember. I remember I started drinking for that one at like five p.m., being like, okay, I need to catch a good buzz. And then I realized that this started the tip. I was like, I. Can't see straight. <laughs> it was pro- probably a good thing, BSC, because yeah. uh, you would have been outraged by that flagrant yeah. foul they called on Kristen. Yep. Um, I got something. Charlie Baker, new president of NCAA. Yeah, As a I Massachusetts mean... man, uh, he, he was my governor, BSC. He governed me. Uh, and weird, odd move. He played hoops at Harvard, believe it or not. I look, I look at these things like whenever you're taking over a prominent role, you want to take it over for somebody who's like not really well received or highly thought of. Like nobody wants to be the guy who takes that goes takes over the Alabama job after Nick Saban, right? right. He's just but like Emirate, like nobody likes, nobody thinks highly of him. So even if Charlie Baker does like a terrible job, but he's one step higher, they'll be like, oh my god, he's incredible. It's so funny because that was like the sentiment like around the country. <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, but here's the thing like, getting back to what I said earlier in this podcast, 
NCA has no rules. So here's the deal. He can stick with it being an outback and there being no rules just right. He can stick with that. Dude, they and they came out today with like I'm a college football nerd too, and like they came out with a rule where the um there's you can play four games and not lose your red shirt in college football. If you play more than four, you lose your 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 year of eligibility. They just came out with a rule today that said bowl games don't count to those four games, and I'm already like, all right, Charlie Baker's already cooking over there. <laughs> well, he doesn't start till March. Uh, but... Uh, but I'm, I'm going to give him credit for that anyway. Okay, that's yeah, fine. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, me personally, here's what I think. The NCA had all the power. Now NIL happens. Now they have none of the power. Yeah. And what do you do when you're in that situation? You just try and appease the schools, man. Like that's that's what they're gonna do, and or at least that's what I hope he would do. Because if he starts being like, "Oh, we're gonna crack down on nil and highly regulated and all this stuff," that could be uh, a can of worms he doesn't want to get into. But yeah, but hey, like you said, good time to step in the role because nobody liked Mr. Emmerich. No, nope. and it's a little pay bump. Nice yeah. little pay bump. Yeah, very good pay bump. A lot of perks. Um, all right. Well, that's it. Um, we'll have more stuff after the Friar game. Um, we'll have a recap article out. I yep. believe I, I'm already working on the, the preview. I'll get that out tonight. I know it's short turnaround, but as we said on the top of the show, we had a good reason to be a little behind this week with this. So, um, again, continue to follow along. RobinScryer.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter. I'm at RobinScryer. He's at BLC all day. Until next time, Friar Town. See you later. See you guys. Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah. David Duke when I'm way up on the hoop, babe. Cross over, I might go to LEU. Heard they sleeping on me, well, let's take them back to school. PC, you know we on go, ayy. Feel like AJ Reeves when I'm off that pick and roll, ayy. Fall down, bounce back like Emmy Hope, ayy. I'm the alpha dog, Diallo. They was sleeping on me, that's what made me a savage And he see me bumping, so we gon' let him have it, yeah They don't want no static, we at the top just like the attic This year we taking over March Madness Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, babe Cross over